Welcome to Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast, where we will help you eliminate the noise and focus on the information and inspiration that you need to transform your business, impact supply chain success, and enable you to replace risky inventory with valuable insights. Join your Tech Talk host, Corinne Bursa, the 2020 Supply Chain Pro to Know of the Year. With more than 25 years of supply chain and technology expertise and the scars to prove it, Corinne has the heart of a teacher and has helped nearly 1,000 customers transform their businesses and tell their success stories. Join the conversation, share your insights, and learn how to harness technology innovations to drive tangible business results. Buckle up, it's time for Tech Talk, powered by Supply Chain Now. All right. Well, welcome, supply chain movers and shakers. Corinne Bursa here, and I am glad that you are with us for today's Tech Talk Live on Supply Chain Now. Here with me is, of course, the one and only Scott Luton, founder of Supply Chain Now. Scott, how's your day so uh, far? Uh, exceptional. Uh, had a wonderful, uh, productive morning. Had a wonderful pre-show with our featured guests here today. Really enjoyed chatting with him. And Corinne, always a pleasure to collaborate with you and, and connect with our community once again. Absolutely. Um, anything we should be aware of? Any upcoming events or things we want to make sure the community knows are uh, going to be available yes, for Yes, we got one big event coming up, and that is this Setting the Standard for Supply Chain Security mm -hmm. webinar with Kevin L. Jackson, but in conjunction with several groups to include the Telecommunications Industry Association, which is really the voice mm -hmm. of ICT. And as we all know, we can't talk enough about supply chain security, global supply chain security, and this April 27th event would be a great opportunity for just that. The sign-up, Corinne, we're not selling tickets. It's free to join us. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can hit the, uh, the direct link in the show notes, or of course, you can visit us at supplychainnow.com and learn a lot more. So that's that's the main announcement. But Corinne, I'm excited to be here once again with you. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, Tech Talk and all the great guests you've gotten there. We've heard a lot of feedback around the interviews and the style of the interviews. And this live stream is, is going to probably continue to reflect that, right? Well, I hope so. I mean, you know, Scott, more than anything, it's so much about what our guests bring to the conversation and how they share their experience, their recommendations, their new insights. Um, I just love the way that I learn something every time. I hope our audience does as well, but I'm sure benefiting from the conversation each and every time. So it, it's been a lot of fun. I agreed. And it comes out. So speaking of uh, all of our participants and the cheap seats, as we call it, right? We love that. When, <laughs> regardless of, of who they are or where they are, I love seeing some of our fellow hosts will arrive in the cheap seats from time to time. Let's say hello to a few folks. Rhonda is with us. Good morning, Dr. Bumpenza Zimmerman from beautiful Arizona. Great to see you. Uh, Ishmael is tuned in. LinkedIn, great to see you, Ishmael. Would love to know where you're tuned in from. Welcome today. Mm -hmm. David, you can't have a live stream without David, which hails from Canada. I should know what city. I want to say Toronto, but regardless, David, great to see you here. I should know that. I failed that quiz. Peter Bolay is with us. Uh, him and, and David and Rhonda make up quite the live stream officials they do triumphant they keep it interesting they do keep it interesting there's no telling what they'll be chatting about uh during the session but welcome everybody and and corinne really excited about this conversation with with really a a mover and shaker that we'll have here today yeah absolutely well it's not something new to say we have had a heck of a year, right? And and 18 months, and there's been one disruption after another. And we're really going to dive into this topic of supply chain disruptions, realizing that supply chain disruptions are really part of the normal operating procedure. I think we're just seeing them amplified. And certainly nothing compares to what we have all experienced with COVID-19 and the impact on business, personal life, our mobility, um, just our standard way of life. Um, but I think we're gonna hear some interesting insights about advancements that have been made as we've addressed those challenges. But if we just think 
So in the past 18 months, we've had COVID-19. We've had shipping container shortages. We still struggle with that. Um, we've got chip shortages, right, that are holding up everything from your laptop to a new automobile right now. Um, severe weather impacts. Um, and strangely enough, we even had a ship that became a barricade across the Suez Canal. Um, so just lots and lots of examples of disruptions. And certainly our playbook and how we anticipate and respond and replan is going to be a little bit different each and every time. But those skills we build around that response mechanism, I think, is really what we need to focus in on and um, and think about honing those skills in the playbook about how disruptions um, can be actually a part of our normal operating procedures. Love that. Uh, and I love this comment here from Nerman. Uh, Mervin, sorry, complexity proves that order comes from chaos. Mervin, hope this finds you well in Dublin. Great to see you here today. And of course, I saw Kavan say hello. He 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 weighed in. He coined this phrase, the new abnormal. That's what we're in. <laughs> and Corinne, I'm going to give you a bold and fearless prediction. What's in that? This in this time of uh, of unexpected events, guess what? There's going to be a lot more. more. That's bold. <laughs> isn't it? But That's bold. as we've seen time and time again, companies with these global supply chains or domestic supply chains, which the, the one or two we see there, they're investing in their core strengths, their core operations, and in their uh, critical partners, especially the, the trust-filled long-term partners that help them get over uh, recent obstacles. And it's going to help them deal with, with the disruptions that inevitably will, uh, the trials and tribulations that are ahead. So this episode is going to speak a lot to that, uh, especially in the freight tech space, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, one thing I would encourage is, is we talked about some of the research that McKinsey did. And McKinsey told us that um, many companies have, you know, taken giant leaps forward from a digital transformation, you know, as much as three to four years of advancement. But I want to remind you, Scott, that there are a lot of companies out there that have postponed those investments and just hunkered down and muscled through some of these challenges. And I want to encourage those businesses that haven't got momentum behind their digital transformation journeys to do so and mm -hmm. to consider leveraging their partners to help them get there faster in the process. And I think we'll hear a little bit about that today when we bring our guest in, right? Because we want to be sure that we are helping close this gap. I don't want people to get left behind. I don't want businesses to get left behind. I want that momentum behind the digitization, behind the flow of information and using predictive analytics to help move all businesses forward. Mm, well said. So let's talk about our guests here today. We're going to be introducing our guests momentarily, but a couple of quick thoughts. So Transplace, we mentioned Freight Tech. Well, Transplace was leading Freight Tech before Freight Tech became cool. This company uh, and their fearless leader that we'll be speaking uh, here momentarily, grown up to a pro portfolio of $11 billion of freight yes. under management. Early adopters and certainly Corinne, digital transformers, before that was a, a hot thing to do, right? Yep. What else? Before yep. I introduce Frank, what else would you add to that? So what's been really interesting in that in that whole what you just said, you said 11 billion, billion with a B of freight that's under management. That's a lot of product moving to multiple points throughout their distribution network. Um, the other thing that I think you'll find interesting is that Transplace did not just sit back and and you know, do their current offering through this last year, they've actually made a number of acquisitions to provide additional capabilities to their customers and help prepare them for the future as well. So I'm excited to, to hear what Frank's going to share with us on that topic. Should we bring him in? Yes. Let me introduce him really quick. Okay. Uh, i tell you, uh, and you really enjoyed the pre-show uh, conversation with Frank. We've enjoyed the earlier episodes with their team. So Frank McGuigan, CEO of Transplace is joining us here today. He's got more than 30 years of experience in executive leadership, supply chain operations, and commercial leadership. Get this, since joining Transplace in 2011, he's been instrumental uh, in tripling revenue and, of course, oh. elevating the company as North America's leading provider of logistics 
technology and services. So you mentioned, you know, it's, it's been interesting as a uh, sideline observer, you mentioned the acquisitions where they've expanded their products and they've also grown the customers that they, that they work with, all which has led to an enhanced geographic presence, not just across North America, but newer here more recently, the European markets. So yep. with no further ado, let's welcome in Mr. Frank McGuigan, CEO of Transplace. All right. Good. How are you today? <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Welcome, welcome. That's the first time you've been swooshed in. So you that know, was, uh, I feel, I you know, is my hair all a miss from the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're looking good. You're looking good. Appreciate that. Um, so thanks for being with us today, Frank. My pleasure. And and I, I was thinking that you should charge for this. Just an idea. We can talk about it all. <laughs> Well, I like I, I like what you're thinking, but you know, certainly Scott and I know a little bit about Transplace. But for our audience that may not be familiar with Transplace and the services you provide, tell us just a little bit about what you're doing and and some of the exciting new offerings you've got. Yeah, sure. So you know, Transplace is a logistics technology and solutions company that powers one of the largest managed transportation logistics networks in the world. And Scott, I think you referenced that in kind of my intro there. Uh, we have tech-enabled services and a solutions platform that are backed by really a terrific combination of um, technology, a dedicated team of engineers and data scientists and domain experts, all towards the improvement of shipper networks. We have about $11 billion of freight under management that runs through the networks, and ultimately people do business with us because we're committed to outcomes. And the outcomes that we're driving ultimately are the things that shippers care about. It's speed, it's visibility, it's transparency of what's happening in their network, but it's also very much service and cost, right? And so uh, we do business with about a thousand companies um, uh, around the world and large enterprise companies like GE and Kellogg's and Cummins and Eaton and Tyson, et cetera. But we also do business with a tremendous amount of mid-sized companies giving them the ability to compete with the big boys, if you will, uh, um, by providing them, again, scale and leverage and, and process automation and optimization. Outstanding. I heard a lot of practicality in what you just shared there. And as uh, the husband that gave his wife an umbrella on a Valentine's Day <laughs> that I still get a, a lot of brick grief over, I'm a very practicality really resonates with me and I'm with supply chain leaders. So that's a very valuable thing that you're, you're delivering to your customers. Let's talk about, you know, obviously 2019, 2020, and already into 2021, extremely unpredictable, right? And, and undoubtedly you saw, as we've all seen that across our customer base, across markets, you name it. How did that impact how you deliver to your customers? No, let, let me, it, it had a significant impact on how we deliver to our customers. And, and Corinne, you touched on this a little bit in your opening, you, you know, the last 13 months have been the most disruptive that I've ever seen as a logistics professional. You add to that the fact that the complexity for shippers has increased significantly over the last decade, driven by increased service requirements, increased visibility requirements, elongated supply chain, whatever's going on with a tariff issue at a given time, and then mm -hmm. the need to digitally transform, right? And then, then along comes COVID, and, and adds the impact of capacity dislocation driven by unbalanced shipper and carrier networks, making it one of the most challenging times that, that I've ever seen in my 30 year career. And, and so that said, this is this is what we do best. Right. This is what people hire us to support them. with, Right. And, and so during the first four months of COVID, we were able to leverage the complete power and scale of our platform and domain expertise uh, and, 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 and scale to kind of efficiently scale for cpg and food and beverage companies and and do you remember uh you, you know you go into a store and and there'd be no disinfectants there wouldn't be any soup there wouldn't be anything well you know how do how does our platform support them in that scale and, and the companies that have invested in that digital transformation with transplace we help them scale seamlessly with that on the other mm -hmm. side of that are the companies that slowed down right and, and they couldn't get their workforces in and, and because of what was going on in the marketplace, people couldn't go out and purchase their products. And so we had to rapidly work with them and re-engineer a network that reflected the reality of a reduced demand, right? And, and so that was the world that we were living in last year. And, and that's the work that we were doing. And, and we're really proud 
uh, what we accomplished all the way through that continuum. And now you're on this other side of it. And I'm not saying we're out of the COVID uh, uh, pandemic by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think we're over the hill. And now you see an economy that's taking off. Um, you see a tremendous amount of pent-up demand and, and you're seeing a, a tremendous amount of dislocated inventory that's trying to be replenished. That's impacting a lot of things, mostly speed, the cost of raw materials, and the price of spot capacity right now. And so we are yeah. very sleeves rolled up with our partners in navigating and, and, and collaborating with them through this time. You know, it's interesting. We had our uh, Manufacturing Monday edition of the Supply Chain Buzz this past Monday, and we were looking at recent manufacturing index, right? Germany, for example, all time, for as long as they've been keeping records, manufacturing records, they're all time uh, in terms of manufacturing activity for the month of March. Right. We're seeing other multi-year records across Europe and here even in the U.S. Sure. Uh, so a ton of activity. Yeah. Frank, you were addressing some of the needs uh, as they evolved that your customers had. Anything else? Can, can you add to that to uh, kind of add some more color commentary about how customer ABC was looking for something maybe different from the Transplace team here into 2021? No, well, I, I would say that, uh, first of all, a couple of things. Even at the beginning of COVID, I mean, we had customers that were March 1st, their business was X. March 31st, their business was 2X. And then they had to run flat out for the next six months. And our ability to provide kind of an automated platform that, and, and scale that secures capacity automatically for them and work with them so that they, it's one thing to be able to move, but you have to be able to move efficiently as well, right? It's not scale at all costs. And so we had to deliver that platform for them in order for them to kind of deliver this once in a lifetime cycle for them. And, mm -hmm. and I think you, you hit on an earlier, Corinne, there are the companies that have made that investment in, in digital transformation and there are companies that haven't and sat on the yep. sidelines. Companies that made that investment, and we all know who they are, right, really were able to capitalize during this time because their business just worked better um, and, and, uh, than other businesses. As we come into this year, again, a different, a different scenario, right? And, and so all the businesses are really, you know, and, and I would say all the businesses, but, you know, restaurants are still coming back, retail still coming back, right? But their needs now are, are a little different. They have pent-up demand. To your point, yep. manufacturing is at all-time highs. The capacity is not there at the ports, on the rails, or in the trucks to kind of get this. So everyone's running flat out, and it's unbelievably expensive, right? And so mm. go, go ahead. I'm sorry, Karen. It seems like you want to say something. No, I was going to say, that it's, it just underscores, Frank, that all of those variables are still in play. We, we haven't established a new normal. No. I, I do like to talk about a little bit about these companies that have, in fact, you know, focused on transformation, made investments, and are able to, to take some big steps forward. But I think that there is a significant portion of the market that just postponed it, that said, I know I need to go there but I'm going to have to wait sure. in that process. So, so two things I'd like to get your perspective on. The first is your company also did some transformational things, right? You made acquisitions, you expanded service offerings, you grew your business offerings for your existing customers and new customers in the midst of, you know, a, a fairly chaotic market overall. So, Talk, talk to me about that just briefly, and then I want to come back and talk about how we bring these late adopters or the folks that postponed it forward faster. Now, so so a couple of things, and we had a very busy 2020, right? And, and the market allowed us to really uncover what we consider uh, $500 million of savings to continuous improvement niches for our businesses. I think that you mentioned earlier, Scott, that we opened our first European office in the Netherlands at the end of last year. And that was something that we had been working on for more than a year prior. Uh, we broke grounds and later this summer we'll actually take delivery of a new 150,000 square foot building in Rogers, Arkansas. And, and that new center of excellence will certainly support the growth of our customers and our employees and provide like a collaboration hub for them and driving value through their network. And, and so a lot going on in we made three acquisitions, 
right? And so we had, honestly, we had a very busy period and, and we were talking before this, we didn't miss a day in the office because our customers needed us, right? And, and, and we were doing a tremendous amount of other things. We made the acquisition of Lane Hub, Scan Data, and Lane Core, really yeah. to one, enhance our lane matching capability, two, enhance our parcel transportation management services, and three, enhance our lean manufacturing support capability, right? And all three of those things mean different things, but they all drive towards the same outcome. And that is how do, how do you uh, utilize technology and scale to drive the most efficient outcomes for your shippers, right? And, and so we've always made significant expenditures and innovations onto the platform, and we've always made acquisitions. Those were our, I want to say, ninth, 10th, and 11th acquisition, maybe. And, and so... Um, that's always been a constant through the years, but what's happening now is that the market has never needed, as you heard me reference earlier, over the last five to 10 years, the change in, in, in what shippers are feeling, the market has never needed this scale in this platform like they do now. And our acquisition strategy is, and, and our build strategy, and our partner strategy as it, as it relates to capability and the platform itself is all around solving these problems for shippers. Right. And, and how do you create that transparency? How do you create that speed? How do you protect them from, you know, the market being up 50 percent versus where it was a year ago as it relates to spot? Protect those budgets. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and protect them from up from for that entire environment. That's what we're looking for. Right. And so our product council is largely driven by shipper insights. Right. It's, it's not our shippers talking to us. It's us sitting on the front lines with our shippers, solving these problems together and understanding, geez, what do you need? You know, what's new, what's changing out there, et cetera. But we also, we're living in a technology renaissance in the, in the logistics space right now. And so what's, what, what are, what are the things that are being developed outside our own ecosystem that might be able to help the ecosystem? Do we partner with those companies or do we buy those companies? So th those are the things that we're constantly talking about. And so those love that. Those three acquisitions uh, and some of the products that we launched you know, over the last year are all in response to the world that we're living in. All right. So let me weigh in real quick. Corinne, I know you have one more question. That was kind of 1A and 1B for Frank. He shared so much there. And really quick, just a couple of quick. No, no. It, this is exactly what we what we had in mind uh, of the acquisitions. I mean, I, I've been familiar with LeanCore since I've been in manufacturing sure. 20 years ago. Highly respected yep. uh, firm, highly capable. And and what I love that you, you're, you're illustrating, TransPlace is illustrating, is rather than playing it really safe, you go bold and you're really strengthening that value proposition in a meaningful, practical way that you can deliver, which undoubtedly is fueling your growth and expansion. So let me, but but Corinne, I've got to share a couple of these comments really quick. Please, and then we'll, please. I'll circle yeah, back. Yeah, rolling in. So initially, uh, so we partnered with Good360 as our nonprofit of the quarter, doing great work, helping a lot of families out there. Peter says, hey, I was donating to Good360 when Frank started talking, thought, hey, is that Greg White? And that's a compliment, Frank. Greg <laughs> and Frank both tell it like it is in a very educated and informed manner. So Peter, thank you for that. Kevon, to prepare for extremely unpredictable, plural, right? That's critical. Kevon mm -hmm. loves that. Uh, Kevon loves that. Cindy, of course, who's with Vets2 Industry, uh, check out that nonprofit, Vets2Industry.com, says the amount of change that took place last year to adjust and move forward was incredible. Peter Bollet, to, to elaborate on that point, had suppliers that their business was X. Then April 1st, it went to X minus infinity. Joseph really appreciates the discussion regarding the current landscape. Quote, we have not found our new norm yet. Uh, right. I think we all agree there. Agree. And then one final comment here, or two final comments here. Rhonda speaks to many companies that aren't, they don't have the wherewithal to make some of the great acquisitions. So they're having to find other ways to navigate through, including improve their own processes and, and enhancing the value prop. And then Mervin, what is the new, the new normal can be asked every day now? Amen to that, Mervin. You're absolutely right. Okay. So Corinne, where are we going with your second question? Yeah, so first of all, I just hope that the new normal is not Groundhog Day. I hope it's it's something a little different as we keep going forward. But, you know, my next question is kind of bring a few of these things together, Frank, that you've already spoken. 
about, but Frank, you may not remember, but a mutual customer introduced us. Yes. And, 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 I, and I must say, yes. he was so impressed with the level of service, his company, a mid-sized company in the food and beverage sector, the service his company was able to get in leveraging a partner in TransPlace to do things that allowed him to predict better, respond faster, and gain efficiency. So he was a raving fan of the experience with TransPlace. I got to tell you, I was a little jealous, a little jealous um, in the marketplace because that kind of, of support from a mid-market company um, that's taking advantage of your offering. One of the things he was really excited about was some of the things that TransPlace is doing in leveraging some artificial intelligence to do more prediction and response. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. And and so, you know, we talked about TransPlace expanding capability through build, partner, or buy. And we spoke about the buy piece. And I'll come back to that in a second, why we bought those companies. But from a build and partner standpoint, we recognize that many of our many of our customers, what they care most about is the stuff that's not going to work. And it's very difficult, you know, when you have, you know, a thousand shipments a day or 500 shipments a day or even 15 shipments a day, you can't sit and watch them all day. You have <laughs> business to run, right? And so TransPlace has partnered with a number of AI firms to drive different outcomes, but one of them is a company called Risk Pulse, and Risk Pulse supports our ability to grab information on every single load, the time of the day, the pickup location, the carrier, the time of the year. Is it quarter end? Is it a Friday on quarter end? Right? Traffic patterns, weather patterns, and put a health score, a predictive score on every single shipment on our platform, and then and rate that. And what it does is, as you're kind of bringing up the platform it gives you the shipments that they feel are ones that you should be watching more closely than others through the order cycle, right? And, and so that is, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you want, that's what digital transformation is, right? You want to be able to scale seamlessly and mm-hmm. with as little touch as possible. And so that's what our predictive health score does uh, on the shipments. And it allows us to kind of focus where the problems are. When you have our kind, we couldn't be a digital, you know, there's been a lot of talk about digitization over the last few years. If we matched employee for employee to what our customers do to run their business, we would never have the business that we have, right? We have to be a very low touch digital business and the health score helps us and it helps us be more proactive to our shippers as it relates to potential service problems. Because I hate to say this, there's always service problems. Right, there are mm-hmm. right. Even even you know the best networks that run it between ninety five and one hundred percent. That variation of service is very painful for many shippers, and, and so it's it's our job to focus on um, proactivity when there are service issues. Yeah, absolutely, and and understanding what those trade offs are as you look at service opportunities in the mix as well, I, I think is very beneficial because you're you're constantly looking to improve. And one of the things we talk about here on Supply Chain Now quite a lot is the fact that we as supply chain professionals, you know, a big part of our job is problem resolution and handling these disruptions. Yes. So, so one of the advantages, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about companies that have postponed investments during COVID, right? They, they pulled back and focused on what they could control that was right in front of them and now are starting to realize that there's a gap there and they need to get some momentum and some energy behind those initiatives. The good news is, Frank, it sounds like TransPlace has continued to push forward and that engaging now allows for even a greater set of capabilities maybe that, that can be available to mid-sized providers as well as some of the world's largest brands. Tell us a little bit about you know, what that innovation cycle looks like or how frequently TransPlace is rolling out these new capabilities. Well, for you know, TransPlace, as, as you're aware, is a, is a sing- single instance multi-tenant platform. It's proprietary technology, and we wrap. We we want to be a single 
point to represent all the other point solutions in the market that we currently don't own for, for the marketplace. And so um, there's so much growing up in the marketplace as you see every day. A lot of, in some instances, you know, hammers looking for nails, they represent a need for part of the network, but not all of the network. And how do we, how do we build by and, and, and deploy some of the terrific stuff that's being developed? That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is, is we have to meet shippers where we're at. What, we're for, what we feel very strongly about is the best place in the world for a shippers network to be is completely on the TransPlace platform, leveraging the complete totality of our network. Right. That's it. And, and I know that's shameless and selfless and, and, and or or same shameless plug for our business. But we actually have pure technology customers on the platform. We have customers that don't leverage the entire capability. It's easy for us to see the best capability uh, uh, from a metric standpoint on tender acceptance, financial metrics, service metrics, et cetera, who's performing the best. And we do a really good job of sharing that information with the entire community. And so uh, our first our first move is, is we want to invite everybody into the network and do so in a way that makes it very easier and low barrier for mid-sized and smaller shippers. And, and we've done a really good job of that over the last couple of years. The second thing though is we continue to, we need to continue to drive modular applications and the development thereof because the reality is is that we have to meet shippers where they're at and some of them are in these entrenched ERP systems and they can't really kind of lift up their entire network and put it on our platform, but they can value from our network, can get value from our network. And so we've launched a couple of, like, like I said, products and, and, and modular apps that shippers that are not necessarily on our network that can leverage at scale. LaneHub, the acquisition of LaneHub was certainly part of it. Right? Why do we buy LaneHub? Because we already did fantastic amount of lane matching in our current network. What we wanted to do was add scale to that network through the LaneHub front end for the companies that they were doing business with that weren't yet fully on the TransPlace platform, if that makes sense. In addition to that, we launched a data insights product where anybody that, that follows Lean and follows Six Sigma, you, 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 if you can't measure something, you can't manage something, right? And so yep, yep. what we're doing is we're we're, we're taking in an API of network information from shippers that aren't on the platform and we're giving them real-time benchmarking on how they're performing from a cycle time standpoint, a speed, a service, and a cost standpoint, right? And, and very, very powerful because if you, as you can imagine, the amount of density of data that we have in the real-time nature of it, this is not yeah. something where we're you know, people are sending in stuff once a month or it's three weeks in the rear or whatever. This is real time, you know, and so that's a very popular product right now. And then additionally, we've launched an intelligent spot product. And this goes to what I was talking about earlier, and that's price volatility in the spot industry. I'm amazed at, you know, as we're coming out of 2020 and, you know, we did a tremendous amount of procurement exercises for our customers. Most of them took some sort of inflation in their contract rates to reduce their spot percentage. Um, and, and we thought that the overall spot market would come down as a result of that. And so we were pretty blown away in the first quarter to see still rock uh, record spot markets. And, and one of the things that we feel really strongly about here at TransPlace is that if we all agree that there is no new normal and that nimbleness is the order of the, uh, order of the day, then all of this volatility shouldn't just represent profit pools for a percentage of the industry. It's, uh, um, we we want to be able to provide the ability to find spot freight by using the leverage, the scale, the scale of our network to either get an instantaneous rate, not mm-hmm. for one company, but for 10 companies, right? To be able to create a dynamic continuous move, to leverage a dedicated fleet, to leverage a mode shift um, in a transparent way so you can see all the moving parts and understand that you are not overpaying in that very difficult situation, right? And so that's our intelligent spot product. And, and we feel like that is a game changer for companies that are not already on the, uh, the TransPlace platform. All, the TransPlace platform per, uh, um, participants today are getting both of those as part of their engagement with us. 
but but we want more engagement. We want more scale. We want to help more shippers quickly. Yep, lots of good stuff there, Scott. I know we've got some comments from um, from the community as well. We do. I want to share a couple of these here from our dear friend Simon from the UK. Simon says, digital transformation options, cost over quality, quality over cost, or just not at all. They are all risky, but seems to me that the last two are becoming riskier now as the competition gets there first. Excellent point. Anna Mary. I uh, mentioned something you said earlier, Frank. Best way to problem solve is by seeing the operations firsthand. And I would add to what Anna Murray said, which is one of my favorite things that you've shared a couple of times now, is you got to meet the customers where they are. That is what is fueling the best customer experiences, right? And we all know how CX has become a dominant measurement, dominant discipline, dominant uh, North Star that folks are chasing after here these days, regardless of what industry you're in. Mahib in Wichita, Kansas, the air capital of the world, is with us here today. I love this. Thank you. I was having supply chain now withdrawal problems <laughs> then. I just found Tech Talk is live now. Thank you, Mahib. And I want to get videotape of Greg speaking to your class from last week. And then Mahib also says, normal was moving from simple predictive to prescriptive, which was nothing Frank was talking about. New normal have to incorporate risk management into the equations. We have to think more like Professor Sergio with Money Heist. That's a new one for me, guys, with contingency plans for all abnormal, adverse scenarios. Excellent point. And Kavan agrees. Contingency plans, like he said, for all abnormal, adverse scenarios. So, Frank, can, can you address, obviously, you mentioned Risk Pulse, uh, our friends over there, which uh, I think which is part of EverStream Analytics now, I believe. Yeah, that's right. They've been growing. That's right. That's right. Forgive me for EverStream for uh, for not calling out that acquisition. No, no, that's new. That's new. And Todd Craig won't he won't be mad at all. So Todd, I hope this finds you well where you are. <laughs> hey, but Frank, speak about you know risk management is is all of a sudden you, you got companies hiring chief risk management officers. You know, corporate boardrooms are really uh, they they want to really bring on new effective practical risk management strategies. Can you can you speak to topic of risk a little bit, Frank? Well, listen, their, their risk is a very broad topic and, and, and it, could, it could span every entire function of every single business. The, the one we'll focus on, obviously, is supply chain risk. And if you haven't been studying supply chain risk, forget about, you, you know, the ever given blocking the Suez Canal, but you know, Fukushima, you know, think about everything that we've tried to learn as an industry as it relates to supplier diversification, trying to shorten supply chains, right? Modal diversification where possible. The reality is, is you can't completely de-risk a supply chain. I'd love to say that you could, but you can't. What, but what you need to make sure of though, is that you have plans in place that you can at least operate and be nimble enough to be operate through a major disruption. And so, and, and those plans need to be absolutely drawn up and worked through well before something like that happens. And, and so we can take every single example of what we learned and, and all the disruptions that we've mentioned over the last you know, 36 months and talk about how that's impacted the supply chain and what they could have done better. The reality is, is, is it, it is planning and not enough people are spending enough time on this What's good for our industry is the fact that this is forcing these conversations to the point that you just made, Scott, into the boardroom, right? Digital transformation is in the boardroom. Risk management is in the boardroom. A supplier diversity and, and, uh, is in the boardroom, et cetera. And so we stand ready with our shippers to go all the way upstream with them to understand if I do this, this is the permutation of your, uh, this is, this is what happens to your network. If I go from far shore to near shore, if I completely re-engineer my network, and, and so I have more suppliers, it might be a little bit more expensive. At the end of the day, these are just cost benefit decisions that we have to help engineer or be a part of with our shippers so that they understand the puts and takes. It's easy to say, de-risk my supply chain. The reason- it's Not gonna happen. Exactly right. The, the, the reason yeah. it doesn't happen all the time is that there's a cost to it, right? And 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 uh, you're trying to get that issue to the top of the priority list. Right, business leaders didn't embrace any risk. There would be no growth. There would be no exponential growth. There would be a very less, a lot less innovation. And the customer ultimately would not be 
served as well as the modern day global supply chain does do. I mean, sure. so two quick points there. And Karen, I'd love to throw it over to you and kind of see where we're going next. But the obvious is data and having having data at your fingertips, predictive analytics and, and, and beyond at your fingertips is, is one of the best ways you can mitigate risk and, and develop an effective risk management strategy. And then secondly, Frank mentioned, we, we all kind of mentioned how these things are coming into the boardroom, not just for executives to talk about, but the leading companies like Transplace, they're taking action and they're, you know, that's driving product development. That's driving what they offer their customers. It's driving what they, who they acquire and why and how that meaningfully goes back to meeting and serving the customers where they are. And, and that's the beauty of all this here. So Corinne, where are your thoughts and where are we going next? So, so what I like about the conversation is that for the first time in decades, it's not just a cost reduction conversation, right? right? Or, or just service and cost. It is now strategic in nature on, on looking at some redundancy or some additional capacity or new lanes of, of distribution or new suppliers in that it's going to give me more and more an opportunity to take some of that risk off the table. And I need to be willing to invest for that to happen. But as Frank will tell us, that will create more points of distribution or more nodes in my network. And that's going to put even more impact and more emphasis on your distribution network. Sure. So the ability to measure these trade-offs Frank, I think that demand for that is only going to increase in totally um, in the months and years ahead. Corinne, we've been in business long enough to know that there are companies that will just put their head down and hope that all the disruption is over. And that there are companies that what we're seeing now is more frequent, significant disruptions. And um, everything that's been sent via Twitter you know, in the notes that Scott keeps calling out is talking about that exactly. And that is, I don't want to say disruption is the new normal. What I would say is, is uh, flexibility and nimbleness has to be the new normal. Our job is to, is to try and empower that with the platform, with data, but also with the ability to harness whatever they need at any given time in a way that's fair for the carrier, fair for the third party, fair for the shipper, fair for Transplace, mm-hmm. so that um, we don't want disruption to be incredible profit opportunities for a portion of the industry, right? Because if we think disruption and nimbleness, we feel like nimbleness is a requirement that we have to find a way for, for shippers to achieve nimbleness in a transparent way, if that makes sense. Yep. I, I think that's really important because that's, if we think about this, I'm kind of a math geek, right? It's a huge math problem, right? And all the variables in between and lead times associated and cost and and service requirements for availability. We need to be able to evaluate that from several different angles and help present it to the shipper and here are your options. Here's our recommendation. Here's option B if you want to go with option B. But I think that, uh, Scott, to your point, harnessing new data or more frequent data signals, as Frank was saying, right? As near real time as possible. And bringing that in and using those new indicators as the most recent or the one to be responded to at this point, because that that will show what current market conditions are versus what I thought those market conditions were gonna be a week ago or three days ago. Excellent point. And I think when we talk about data, you can get your hands on all the data you want, tidal waves of data, but you've got to use you got to use great partners and platforms and packages so you can actually do something with the data that matters, the signals. Otherwise, you just get a wash in all the noises out there, and 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 that's part one of the themes we're hearing here. I want to share a couple more comments, and then uh, Corinne, we'll see where we're going next with Frank and Transplace. Cindy happened to be in Japan when Fukushima happened, so and she says you can't plan for every situation. We have to have to have something to start with that can save a ton of time, resources, and otherwise. Excellent point. Kevon, who Peter says he is on a roll today, Kevon says risks that impact viability are severe as they may disable supply chains to collaborate, but risks that impact resilience are disruptions that affect a single supply chain alone. And then he adds, 
we should prepare for the new abnormal, which he's coined, if we want supply chains to be viable, and the new normal, if we wish for supply chains yeah. to be resilient. How about that? All Throwing all into a couple of uh, uh, sentences there, a couple of thoughts. But, hey, one last thought. You mentioned math, Corinne, and advanced math, and Frank mentioned permutations. And all of a sudden, I had a deer in the headlights that took me to a bad math pop quiz. It, whatever my last math class was. So y'all are above my pay grade. It comes advanced math principles. But, but hey, that's what's fueling modern-day supply chain analytics, and, and which, of course, make up a big part of the value prop that TransPlace offers their markets here in North America and Europe. So, Corinne, where are we headed next? Yeah, well, let's talk about that for just a minute, Frank. We're, we're starting to hear more and more about talent shortages. So now as people are coming back into the, into their roles and, and the market is picking up again, you know, talent, supply chain talent is, is very valuable. What are, what are you doing or, or how can TransPlace help either mitigate some of those challenges for your clients but also, what are you doing to augment your talent pool so that you can, you know, serve a bigger and bigger client base? You mentioned this huge new distribution center coming online. You know, give us your thoughts yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. And, and so from, from our standpoint, there is no doubt about it. I mean, companies, one of the attractive aspects of doing business with TransPlace is we're bringing a world-class platform with tremendous domain expertise to work together with our customers to drive measurable outcomes. Ultimately, that's why they're engaging with us. And it's the combination of those two things. And the fact that, that we have folks that understand their networks, understand how those networks work, and then work together within the platform to solve problems. I think a lot about, just as a quick aside, I think a lot about you know the fourth quarter of last year. And for you know every one truck, uh, for every hundred trucks that needed to come northbound, out of the border in Laredo, there was only uh, uh, one truck going southbound, and, and it was just simply because their recovery was not as fast as ours. Mexico's recovery was not as fast as ours as a, uh, as a country, and so the trade lanes were imbalanced. And how did we, how were we able to kind of leverage the scale of our platform to say, okay, no longer are we looking for clean, you know, things that are destined for uh, Laredo, but, you know, we're moving it to Houston, we're moving it to Dallas, we're moving it to, you know, further and further north to divert assets to kind of make that happen in a very transparent way for shippers so they can move their products into the United States. And, 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 and in addition to that, by the way, we started a barge service out of Mexico to get around that problem for our shippers, right? And, and working with a barge company and, and, and moving from, um, Mexico over to uh, to Tampa, Florida, to just provide another mm -hmm. entry point in the United States because the capacity was so imbalanced. Those are the things that partners are supposed to be doing in a very real time and a very nimble way to support what's going on in the network. That's number one. From a talent standpoint, listen, TransPlace. Uh, you know, we have a saying around here, and it's it's customer first, people always, right? And you have to. And I happen to be, and it's not a distribution center. It is, uh, uh, it's an office building, right? But it's also a collaboration center, right? And it's 150,000 square feet and it, it's going to serve, we're gonna have 1200 people sitting there. We have 750 people in, in, in Northwest Arkansas today and we will fill that building probably in two mm. years. And what we want is a state-of-the-art building with state-of-the-art equipment and breakout rooms and technology to support Everything associated with how do you collaborate and engage with a shipper in real time to drive real time value. It's 100% about engagement. And so uh, that's really important for bringing talent on, right? We want TransPlace to be an employer of choice. We want um, our employees to feel really good about our mission here and be aligned with what our mission here. And, you know, the thing that I was referencing earlier about not only servicing our customer in a meaningful and way that you can feel that which people want purposeful work yep. for sure, but also yep. serving your community in a meaningful way, right? And, and so I mentioned our support of uh, the Navy SEAL Foundation earlier, but I'm not sure you also know that, that we provide all the technology for Feeding America. And, and so for, um, for the utilization of all the foodstuffs into their fulfillment centers, we provide that for them. We provide engineering services for them so that they can efficiently drive what's necessary to feed Americans. I think that we all know that food insecurity is actually 
a more of a logistics problem in the United States than it is an actual food problem. And so we want uh, we want to be great uh, community citizens in addition to great business partners and to be able to attract kind of the best talent in the world and have them feel that and be a part of that. Mm. Uh, I was just going to say, that's, that's fantastic. I wasn't aware of your support for Feed America, but thank you, first of all, thank you for that effort and for making that a priority in your business. I'm sure it's something your employees get excited about contributing to and being a part of as well. So I just really appreciate yeah, that. Absolutely. Do. Uh, you're, uh, we, listen, it, it is it is our own gift to ourselves, honestly. And, and so, especially in the last 12 months, if, it, if you look at what that organization mm-hmm. has been able to do, providing between four and six billion meals for people with food insecurity, it's an astonishing number. And so, sorry, yeah, I could go off on a tangent here, but I, yeah, I love we that. We could too. Scott, Scott in particular could spend, <laughs> right. uh, could spend right. uh, several hours on that. So this is this is really big on, on Scott's list from a leadership perspective is those opportunities to give back and to do so in, in very tangible ways. So, Amen. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've coined that Greg has coined that phrase, give forward here and, 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 and give, you know, give small, but give all, often is what Corinne and, and Greg's talked yeah. about. And I love to hear Frank, how not just all that you do, but how passionate at the top tiers of leadership it is to number one, be an employer of choice and all that comes with that to truly act on that. But number two, to make a difference. And that's what global supply chain oh, yeah. leaders, organizations, and the industry, the craft is doing to get us through this pandemic. And, and then also to change society on the other side when we get into truly the post-pandemic environment. So, mm-hmm. all right. Totally agree. Yeah, that's listen, We live in a, a stakeholder world now, right? And and, and so we, we we are absolutely leading in that. In, yep, in that I love way. it. Yeah. Taking action, not, not lip yeah. service, which we abhor yeah. around here. So I love that, Frank. <laughs> and, and I also like how Frank tells it like it is. Going back to what Peter mistaken, you know, I love folks that tell it like it is. Hey, folks, Risk isn't leaving supply chain anytime soon. It's an inherent part of the yeah. process. So, all right, a couple quick comments. And then Corinne, we're gonna, I think we probably, I bet Frank's got a full slate here today. I want to share just a couple quick things. T-Squared, who holds down the fort on YouTube, says visibility is key to properly adjusting to meet customer and customer needs. Now we just add to that, that we heard from Frank, where the customer is. So great points there. Let's see, uh, Shrenevis, who I don't think I mentioned earlier, Loves uh, the examples you're sharing, Frank, and what you shared. Peter Stangelan, who appeared on Tequila Sunrise with Greg White with D.B. Shanker, uh, is here with us. He enjoys the discussion. And check that out wherever you get your podcast, Tequila Sunrise, T-E-C-H. And then finally, um, Shrenevis also says, due to COVID, what are, well, we'll circle back to that question if we've got time. But a lot of folks that we can't get to have enjoyed your POV and your insights and what you're sharing again, very authentically and transparently. And again, just with, with candor, which we can't get enough of from the executive suite. Can we Corinne? No, it's so true. And I think people don't realize sometimes that, you know, people who hold executive roles are just the same as folks who are out there driving the truck, right? They, they just have a different vantage point of the the scope of problems solved but they're still problem solvers and they're still dealing with a group of problems and trying to set a course um, for the business. Frank, with that in mind, what one last thing would you like to leave with our audience today? What recommendation might you have about disruptions or, you know, just the, the, the road ahead, if you will, in, in this area? Yeah, it's a good question. A couple of things I would mention, first of all, you know, transplace, Obviously, hopefully you feel that we care passionately about what we do. And and one of our core values is actually thrill the customers. And we know that thrill sometimes uh, uh, might be a little excessive when we're dealing with such a turmoil in supply chains. And, and but, but know this, you, you know, it is what everybody in this organization gets up mm-hmm. and tries to do every day, right? And so you mentioned Lean Corp earlier, Scott, and we already did inbound full management as a company. We bought Lean Corp because we think that they could actually do it a little bit better than us, right? And you have to constantly look in the mirror. We, we already did parcel TMS before we bought Scan Data, but you know the way that that market has evolved and the need for really multi-parcel carrier optimization in a real-time basis and what you, you know 
we we just said to ourselves this is no longer good enough to sit on this platform we need to either build it or buy it right and so i, I do think one of the secrets of our success is complete honesty and looking in the mirror and also listening right and and saying this is what the market's going this is where our customers are dissatisfied and then what are we doing about that that's part one part two is as i think about shippers the shippers are ultimately need to work with partners that are going to provide them with transparency but but in addition to that and this is a really important point they're used to doing business a certain way and what we're challenging our shippers for is more autonomy within their supply chain let us kind of come back to with the way we should configure the technology the way this should be automated and the metrics that we're that we're trying to achieve together and then let it go and um i think shippers are so oversensitive right now to disruptions or being true to a traditional method that they used to do or a traditional partner that they used to do business with etc that they need to kind of step back and let some of the, the technical expertise do the work and heavy lifting for them and that's that's part of the journey right now and everything that's happened in the marketplace the good news about that is everything that's happened in the marketplace over the last 5 and 10 years is absolutely setting the stage for that more autonomy because they're figuring out hey what used to work just you, you can't rely on that process anymore you can't rely on that piece of technology anymore etc that that's what i would leave you with also i'd like to just say thank you for having me as as i mentioned earlier i don't do a lot of these i found this to be a, a terrific forum and conversation and i really appreciate the candor all the way but thank you frank we really appreciate it frank mcguigan with transplace thanks so much for being with us today and sharing some of your insights from uh, the last 12 to 18 months as well as a little inspiration for what's ahead all right terrific. so much frank. thank you nice seeing you karen thank you. take care the swoosh waits for no one uh, what a great <laughs> conversation with frank yeah. and and just uh, you know um, I, didn't, I, I didn't have the good fortune of meeting him prior to today's uh, session and the pre-show like you have, Corinne. But, man, just, a, um, you know, much like some other executives like we've had on here recently, Billy from Monday comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Who was former chief diversity and inclusion, uh, inclusion officer with Goodyear Tire. Sandra McQuillan, obviously, last week and many others. Fantastic. Frank, yeah. authentic, you know, will take whatever question you, you send his way and Give it to you in a way that that you can understand it, regardless of how much how much experience you have in in supply chain. Yeah, I agree, Scott. I agree. Great, great conversation. Uh, just great insights as well, and just very practical. I think you used the term practical a couple of times. Approach to serving the market and serving the the shippers in, in a global forum now as they continue to expand. Agreed. But you know, on that note. I want to share a couple of quick things that I loved in particular. I love that they're not sitting on their hands. Clearly, they've been a successful yeah. company for quite some time. But as one of our favorite guests of all time, Kevin Bell with AGG said famously, which is certainly a t-shirtism, you can find opportunity <laughs> without being opportunistic, right? And he's yep. even challenging times. And I love the action they've taken to improve how they serve their customers. Outcomes focused. It shouts yep. practicality. He said that early on. Meet, of yep. course, meet your customers where they are, which... Uh, we love and customers first, people always. You can't let people get lost in the shuffle. And clearly that's important to the the, the Transplace team. So I love that. So Corinne, those were a couple of my quick takeaways. There's a lot more there, but what are a couple of yours? Yeah, I, all of those that you called out, you, you should see I've got a piece of paper here that I have scribbled <laughs> all over just with, with some great things that Frank McGuigan shared with us today. You know, I just keep coming back to this theme, this Winston Churchill quote about never waste a good crisis. We have all been through it. We are still, you know, in the midst of it, but are getting better at managing at least the COVID aspects of it. But disruptions are going to continue to occur. So let's look at how we build some of that resiliency and some of those agile practices into our organization or into our partner network, right? Maybe we've got a partner that's really got some skills in this area. Clearly today, what we've heard from Transplace is they're able to do that for the customers they're serving. So, you know, don't limit yourself to what's available within your four walls. Look into your supplier network, your customer network, to see if there's opportunities there that, um, that you can harness as well. 
love that. If you, if you can't, if you can't optimize to perfection internally, look for those outside partners that you can bring into the fold, whether you acquire them or, or establish a different relationship, getting that, yep. that creative collaboration is going to help fuel creative growth, uh, especially in, in, I hate keep saying the new normal and I hate, <laughs> hate to keep stealing Kavan's the new abnormal. The abnormal. I don't know. I love flashbacks to uh, the, the Frankenstein movie with the brain that's labeled abnormal or something. Every time I hear that. We need a graphic for that, but wherever we're, wherever we are headed, you, you, we've got to, I mean, um, creative leadership, creative, practical, action-focused leadership, yep. innovative leadership. So Corinne, always a pleasure to do this. Thanks so much for including me today in our discussion with Frank McQuiggan, CEO with TransPlace. Are you going to take us out today? Yeah, can I? Can Absolutely. I? Well, one All quick right. little programming note, of course, connect with Frank and TransPlace. We've got better information mm-hmm. in the show notes. Be sure to join us on April 27th for the Securing the Supply Chain webinar, free webinar, and in particular on that information and communications technology bend. So really important in the information age. All right. So Corinne, all yours. I feel like you just gave me the steering wheel. This is awesome. Thanks, Scott. So I hope these insights today are going to raise your supply chain IQ. I know they've raised mine. And on the topic of raising your supply chain IQ, be sure to check out all of the digital content that's available on supplychainnow.com. And while you're there, please find Tech Talk. That's T-E-K-T-O-K and subscribe. You don't want to miss a single episode. This is Corinne Bursa, host of Tech Talk, the digital supply chain podcast. And I've been here today with Scott Luton, founder of Supply Chain Now. Remember, our goal is to help you eliminate the noise and focus in on the information and inspiration you need to transform your business and replace risky inventory with valuable insights. We'll see you next time here on Supply Chain Now, the voice of supply chain. Thanks, everybody.